is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 82, operating on June 21st, 2021. This is Doug and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Drew. We're two av geeks creating a network for airline, airplane, airport, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Drew, how was your week? It was rough, (laughs) but it was a good rough because, you know, things are busy and we want them to be busy. And Doug, I got to be honest, it feels like a regular summer, you know, Mm -hmm. even though we're just coming off of this pandemic and a horrible situation for the airlines. Yeah. It's so busy. It, it reminds me of the days where we used to work so hard and every day we were slammed. When, we were, when I used to work in, in customer service, mm-hmm. we used to have nights like this where every, you know, it's, so, it's so busy and the weather's bad and the flights are full. And I remember my coworker, Liz, who was also a CSU, we had a really bad week, slammed all week with thunderstorms, full flights. And then she hears on the radio, hey, we have uh, the flight coming in from London. We may have a customer on board with meningitis. Oh boy, <laughs> so Liz. So Liz goes. Let me meet it. I'll, I'll meet it because that way, if I if I get meningitis, I can I can I can, I can get some rest because <laughs> <laughs> she can get some time off work. Okay. One more thing without airing all my dirty laundry about my crazy week. And like I said, it's mostly good stuff. But now that we're busy, Doug, and we talked about this a little bit, it's much more difficult because before, when the flip, when we have a lot of spares and we're not using the whole fleet. Mm-hmm. On the one o'clock call, maintenance will say, all right, we have the following spares. We have two 737s available. We have a 787-9. We have a 777 and we have two A320s. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So if anything goes wrong, you just bring something you know, up from the back lot. Mm-hmm. Now we have maybe one, if that. Yeah, if you're lucky. If we're lucky. So yeah. things are more difficult. But like I said, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Well, we... We were just talking about it before we started recording. The number one story on the Wall Street Journal right now, which was just published, is that Americans said they're canceling 1% of their schedule the first two weeks of July, mm-hmm. not, be- not because of a lack of demand, but because of too much demand. I, I know that sounds count- it sounds counterintuitive, <laughs> but what, the- what they said is they don't think that they have enough crews to staff these flights and they want to get ahead of it and cancel it now. So that That's it's really a- smart. So it's two weeks in advance or a week and a half, you, you know, for July 1st. So that the customers have more time to find a, a follow-on flight. And I, I think they probably just looked and said, we cannot operate with the schedule that we have, the crews that we have. And we, we don't want to leave because the, the flights are so full that they right. have zero capacity in the system to yeah. handle a large amount of ear ops if, if it turns out that the, the crews can't crew these airplanes there's so, no slack we call no, it there's no slack in the schedule yeah so I, I i mean we've talked about this multiple times about how it the, the travel has come back in such a big way that the airlines were not ready for it and, and that's no fault of the airline it's just the the way that the the things turned and yeah. now now the airlines are playing catch up trying to get all these new crews spun back up people mm-hmm. off of furlough people retrained in new airplanes as we are back to basically almost 2019 type numbers. Yeah, definitely. We're above 2019 in domestic travel Mm -hmm. and you're included in that. So you're going to be in class soon. So they're Mm going to be, you know, whipping you into shape, you know, for whatever fleet you're flying very quickly to get you in that seat because, you know, in in time for the holidays In time for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get a little break in the fall. 
September, October, but then it'll, then it'll be on again. Yeah, it'll ramp back up. And uh, along with this topic, we saw this week, Flight Radar 24 tweeted out that June 16th, so that just this last week, there were 212, 185,000, sorry, 212,185 total flights tracked. That's uh-huh. the first time that they've tracked over 200,000 flights in a day since December 19th of 2019. So that's even pre-COVID. So yeah, they they tracked 212,000 flights, which is more than it had been even like pre-COVID. That's kind of shocking. Basically. So we're so you're basically saying we're back to 100, percent well, we're so they're not... but they're they're tracking is also general aviation, and okay. it it could be that more airplanes have ADSB receivers, and and there are more ADSB receivers out there that they're tracking. So yeah. it, it it could be a somewhat of a misleading stat, but the the fact of the matter is we're getting close to that number from from like a total flight standpoint. Well, maybe just like airline travel, maybe general aviation also had some pent up demand. And that's Mm -hmm. what you're seeing more than you normally would. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, very well could be. Um, Something else happened. There's a couple things that happened this week, Doug. And, you know, I just realized the 18th, June 18th was a big day. So Southwest celebrated their 50th anniversary. So they started their first flights. Their first flight was from Dallas to San Antonio in 1971. Mm -hmm. And this is an airline where they created their, their business plan on a napkin with a root map on a napkin herb kelleher and i've been to the bar where they oh, you where have they did that yeah where is it in san antonio <laughs> it's it's in a really nice hotel in san antonio and that's their claim to fame is that's where southwest airlines was founded okay so when we go there we do the river walk and then we go that and check that yep. off it's yeah it's it's really cool it's, it's a dark very, like very dark old school uh-huh. type type atmosphere like in this, some speakeasy in, in this, yeah it, it felt it felt exactly like a speakeasy mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great congratulations southwest you know you Southwest really is the first low fare carrier. And right now I don't, you and I both agree. It's really not a low fare carrier. It's a network, mm-hmm. not maybe not a network carrier, but it's, it's a, it's a, what's the word tradition? No, it's not traditional. What's the a, leg- a legacy, legacy. Legacy. That's what I'm looking yeah. for. Legacy. Um, they also launched, you know, me and special liveries. I love these. <laughs> yeah. spe- I love the Southwest special liveries. I yeah, love the, the, state, the liveries. state flags. Yeah. So to, uh, commemorate this and also to appreciate uh, veterans and uh, people in armed forces they have freedom one which is a new special livery plane which is the american flag have you seen Mm -hmm. it yeah i I saw the picture that that you sent to the group it looks awesome yeah i I think it looks really good i think it looks really good too and it um fun fact all of their special liveries are on 737 700s yeah um this one is on a 737-800 so what does that tell you about the future if they're starting to put special liveries on the 800 or staying with the 800 or yeah, ordering that, more 800s? That, that they're like a lot of airlines, they're looking at upgaging and the 700s might start to part the fleet or depart. I, the fleet. You know, I love the 700. So I hope my airline takes all of their 700s <laughs> and go ahead and keep the special <laughs> livery. <laughs> also, what else happened this week? It, it involves a 737. Uh, the Max 10. The Max 10 flew yeah, on June flew 18th. for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unless there's a Max 11, 12, 13, I, I, this has got to be it because it's the way I describe a 737 is a lowrider 757. Boeing stopped making the 757 and they're using this as a substitute. To stretch it. Yeah. To stretch it. So I guess it's competition for the A321, but looking at the stats, the A321 
is a still, little bit more it still beats it yeah a little bit more range you know they're trying new things and it looks pretty cool so mm -hmm. we'll see if it works yeah ho hopefully it does well we're gonna start out the show this week with some great listener interaction drew i got a message from a college buddy of mine dave who i haven't seen in years and the last time that i talked to him it was well before we started the podcast and he texted me and said that he found the podcast while walking his dog so dave if you're listening <laughs> Thanks for reaching out. And I, I know we also got uh, another really good email from a listener. Yes, this is from uh, David in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. He says, I was listening to some of your old podcasts and realized you guys had merch, merchandise. I purchased some and am wearing one of your shirts on my flights on the 19th, which is uh, yesterday, yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he tagged us on Instagram with a photo of him on the plane. And it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. It says, Rep in next trip podcast on my first live flat seat. Find him on Instagram, guys. He has excellent videos and pictures. So he goes by DJ Spotter. That's DJ S P O T T E R. So follow him. And DJ or David, I hope you enjoyed your. He's on a triple seven. He's on the seats that we were on. Yes. I, yeah. I, I noticed that on American. Yeah. Yep. And then he's on this whirlwind. So he's currently on a 787 hmm. from. Uh, I think it's also on the East Coast. So he's doing like a whole um, whirlwind trip on domestic wide bodies. We should have him come on and talk about domestic it. wide bodies. Yeah. Well, especially if that was his first lay flat experience or lie yeah. flat, lay flat, lie flat, as as we, as Tyler, <laughs> yeah, as, as Tyler calls it. <laughs> well, yeah. Steve, mileage runner on Twitter. He was so doing it he, too. Well, he was doing it too. Yes, that's right. That's a good. Yeah. He was on a American triple triple seven. Transcon, yeah. Yeah, but he explained the lay flat, lie flat. He said it is lie flat because you lie flat, mm -hmm. lay flat, you lay something on the ground. It's mm. not a verb, something you do, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's lie flat. That's according to his uh, English teacher someplace, you know, like 20 Interesting. years ago. <laughs> okay, so so lie flat. So we're, we're, we're going to adopt lie flat. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with lie flat. <laughs> We also got an email from Dominic in Copenhagen. He said, I just finished the latest episode. It makes Monday morning less miserable. So thank you for that. Drew, that, that's a common feedback that we hear is, is that Monday mornings are less miserable. We, they're less miserable. And what did we say? We own Mondays. We, we own Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> or we like to think we do. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, if you're listening to us right now and it's your Monday, we hope you have a great day. Start off positive with us. And if you're an airline person, this is probably your Saturday. So <laughs> enjoy the start of your week. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm down to my last couple of normal Mondays before I, I join the airline ranks. I know you'll be like me. So you'll yeah. have your airline Saturday, which is Wednesday. Well, my, I already have the schedule for my first week of training and it's Tuesday through Saturday. So my, my, oh, my Friday, my Friday, my first week at the airline, my Friday is actually my Saturday. Yep. Welcome well, to your new world. Well, yeah, welcome to the big leagues. Well, and, Dominic, uh, Dominic, he he actually, uh, I told him we're going to talk about his email. Yeah, and he sent me an Instagram text. He said, uh, "I said thanks. We own Mondays." And he said, "For sure, I have my little tradition on the bike ride from work: strong coffee and the next trip podcast." So that's what he's doing in Copenhagen right now when he's listening on Monday. Strong coffee. <clears throat> So uh, he's on his way home from work, I'm guessing, just based no, on, oh, to work? He's going to work. To work. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was going to say strong coffee on the way home from work, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dominic also asked us a question. And the, the question is, if family members of pilots are able to visit normally restricted places, such as the cockpit during flight, then he also asked if 
anyone or if these family members can sit in the jump seat during takeoff and landing. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story. It's different. Um, Dominic, it's different for every airline. Some airlines are more lenient. Some are more strict. Generally, the carriers in the U.S. are very strict. So mm -hmm. on my airline, I can't sit in the jump seat. If I get a letter from the chief pilot and, uh, you know, it's organized and I'm there for an official, you know, to watch their processes for a work project, then yes. So we have had some people do that. Mm -hmm. But um, just to give you an example, I was coming back from Brussels with a friend and our flight back home was kind of full. So I bought Z fare tickets, which is the discounts we get on other airlines mm -hmm. on this very large German carrier. So I told my friend Brian, hey, let's go in and go ahead and check in at uh, Lufthansa also just in case we don't get on our flight. So I go to check in at Lufthansa and they're like, hey, the flight's pretty full, but don't worry if it's full, we'll get you in the jump seat. Mm. And Brian and I looked at each other and it's like, these people don't know us from Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sit in the jump seat. We couldn't sit in the jump seat on our own aircraft, but they, so. But, but they're they're fine with you doing it. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, don't worry. We'll get you in the jump seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. We ended up getting a, on uh, our flight, but that was really nice of them. Yeah, that's good. Because I don't think you want to sit in the jump seat for a nine hour transatlantic flight. Oh, no, I should have. Uh, I, I should. Oh, was this, was this inner Europe? This was to go. Yeah, this was to go oh, okay. to, from Brussels to Frankfurt to catch our flight. Uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, then, so. then that's fine. Yeah, that's cool. It's a short trip. Mm -hmm. All right. So, Doug, you used to give me all the negative stories. And I know you didn't do this on purpose. But <laughs> I used to always get the pandemic stuff and the layoff. <laughs> And then you'd have this special interest story about some special livery. That was always <laughs> <laughs> so today, I think it's your turn to take a few. So what's our first news brief uh, this week? Yeah, and I, th this week is, is my week setting up the rundown. And so I, I did this myself on purpose to give you a break. And when, when you do the rundown next week, Drew, you can give me, neg give you you can give me negative stories if, yeah, <laughs> if, if there is one. <laughs> but anyways, we, we've been talking extensively over the last several months about the red hot recovery in the U.S. And we even led with that this week. Unfortunately, it still isn't the case everywhere in the world. We need to remember that the global recovery is very much going to be uneven and the, the, the world will not completely recover until everyone has gotten past the pandemic and economically is, is back. So we need to think about all, all those other people as well. This article is from the Wall Street Journal. It's titled Slow Recovery and Long Haul Travel Weighs Heavily on Emirates and Lufthansa. Emirates posted a $6 billion annual loss. Lufthansa announced more layoffs. They plan to cut another 10,000 jobs. Continued depression in high revenue long haul international travel is hurting these airlines who largely rely on this type of flying. Global traffic is at about half of its pre pandemic levels. So, this goes back to what we were talking about with flight radar. 24 tracking some I'm, I'm guessing a lot of it is is just general aviation aircraft it's got to be yeah and this is the the, the half of the pre-pandemic levels is despite the u.s and china being above 80 percent emirates has shed 31 percent of its staff and the new lufthansa cuts will bring its total furloughed employees from 26,000 up to 36,000. drew i'm hoping this will all start turning around very fast because europe is opening back up at least to the united states mm -hmm. that's a lot of their business yeah and um you know fun fact lufthansa is going to be flying 747-8s all over the u.s so i'm looking forward to supporting them as yeah. they come back so but yeah you know we, we're so ebullient about what's going on in this country and the mm -hmm. rest of the world has not caught up yet so yeah. we're thinking about you and we won't we'll keep following that yeah, the uh, a lot of these layoff announcements actually are for later in the year. And so I'm mm -hmm. wondering if with 
even pre-pandemic, the summer for the European carriers was always mm-hmm. big. And then the winter was was a, a much bigger lull than what US carriers have. And so I'm wondering if this is them trying to save money throughout the winter when they normally historically don't do as much flying anyways, so that they can save a little bit of money, hopefully bring these people back on for summer 2022, because summer 2022, uh, a year from now, is Mm -hmm. what most of airline leadership around the world now is saying they're targeting as making that that full comeback or or trying to be in position. And I can tell you the carrier that I was hired by, we were told all of this hiring is mm-hmm. with the the site set on next summer because oh, they, really? they yeah because they they want us there they want us ready they want mm-hmm. us trained up they want us to to be seasoned ready to go for next summer next and summer. Oh, so crazy. hopefully hopefully this Lufthansa layoff is is just temporary and they can get back there as well but you will be flying you will be in the I will season. be yeah okay. it'll it'll be part of my my seasoning process through, throughout okay. the fall and, and winter but the, the the whole buildup is looking toward next summer so they can be above 2019 levels completely. Okay. Yeah. So we can't discuss details, but Doug and, you know, I live vicariously through him with his, you know, getting this new job. It's so exciting. So we're, you're excited about what airplane and what uh, domicile you're going to be at. Yeah. Hopefully it's near where you live. Three weeks is when I find out. Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks. And it looks, it's, well, let's not. Let's yeah, not jinx I, it. I, I'm not going to jinx it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anything else on that? No, on that? no. Okay. Yeah. So I have a good news story. So this is also from the Wall Street Journal. Boeing and Airbus meet new competition, their own used planes. This is good for the airlines, not so good for Boeing and Airbus. The current global recovery is leading airlines in certain parts of the world to purchase aircraft again. Boeing only has 10 remaining unpurchased maxes down from uh, 100 last July. Doug, isn't that amazing? I yeah. just remember seeing like whole deserts full of 737s and mm-hmm. you took some in, was it Victorville? In Victorville. Mm-hmm. As far as you can see, planes park. Mm-hmm. The new problem the two manufacturers face, it is extremely cheap to buy their planes on the secondhand market, extremely, um, including larger planes. Mm-hmm. The value of a 777-300ER has fallen 45% in the last year and the A330-200 is down 50%. New startups like Avello and Breeze are operating with used jets. So, I mean, people are 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 totally going on Craigslist to find planes. I mean, they're all over the place. You can get them for cheap. I don't know how efficient they are because they're older models, but still, you mm-hmm. know, all that all that savings and cost. Yeah. Well, I remember ten years ago uh, after Delta and Northwest merged, Delta bought a bunch of used airplanes, the seven one sevens. They bought some used seven thirty seven eight hundreds, etc. And everyone talks about, oh, you know, they're not as efficient, yada, yada, yada. But throughout the decade, it served them well because they were able to pay down debt. And then when they entered the pandemic, they didn't have these huge brand new plane orders uh, quite to the same extent as some other airlines around the world. Like, look at Emirates. Emirates is a great airline. But if they have an airplane that's more than, what, six years, eight years yeah, old, that's they, old they just they, they kick it to the side and they get a yeah, new one. Whereas you've got airlines like Delta and United, whose average fleet age is 15, 16, 17 years old. And we've talked about it. You, you go on some of these airplanes. Some of these airplanes do show their age, but a lot of them, they've been redone on the inside. They're still very efficient, highly efficient, maybe not to like the Max and Neo 
level, but they're still very highly efficient. And the passengers think that they're on a brand new airplane. Oh, yeah. No, I'm sure that there are people walking on a Delta 767-400 that's been refreshed. And they think they're on a 350. Yeah. They're like, oh, honey, we're on the new Dreamliner. (laughs) You know, you won't know the difference. Yeah. United has bought uh, A319s from China's Southern. Mm hmm a bunch of them and a bunch of 737, 700s from Southwest. So even Mm -hmm. before the pandemic, they were looking for deals. And just like you said, going on one of those A319s that used to be China Southern, you would think it's a brand new A319. You'd have no clue that it's been around. Yeah. So this is really good for airlines as, as they look to grow and start to hire more pilots. Speaking of pilots, let's move on to this final story, which is going to basically cover the the rest of the show today. And this was initially reported in Reuters, Cathay Pacific working with Airbus on a single pilot system for long haul. The program is targeting a 2025 launch date on its new A350s. Cathay is seeking to introduce what they call reduced crew on long haul flights. Airbus calls the the program Project Connect and hopes to have a single pilot in the cockpit during much of the flight. Two pilots would get altering rest breaks and both would be in the seat for critical phases such as takeoff and landing. The system will likely have some type of biometric monitoring and alerting Mm -hmm. system if the single pilot falls asleep or becomes incapacitated. Let's move directly on to the ops topic and we'll come back and and talk more about this unless you have any, any other thoughts. No, I mean, that's the fact sheet. So they're working with Cafe Pacific. Doug laid it up. So our ops topic this week is a continuation of the single pilot's news brief. We're going to wait to debate our thoughts on the proposal until after we cover cover it a little more. Doug, can you walk us through what it's like in the cockpit during many of these long haul portions of the flight? Sure. So what what Airbus and Cathay are talking about is not, as we mentioned, not taking the pilot out of the seat and and just having a single pilot for the entire flight. The, The most critical phases are takeoff and landing, where there's a lot going on with crew resource management, et cetera. Lots of interactions between both pilots. Once you get to level off and you start flying over an ocean, you sometimes go 40 minutes between a- activities, I guess I'll call it. And mm. every every 45 minutes or so, when, when you pass a degree of longitude, so the, the longitude lines go up, down on the globe, every time you pass 10 degrees, or if you're on a, a track with a named point, you have to do what's called a position report. And the airplane's mm use uh, satellite text capability with air traffic control and most of them do this automatically now but as the pilot you're monitoring this you're writing it down and you're you're plotting it on a chart making sure that you are exactly where the airplane says you are and that's every 40 minutes 45 minutes between then you're sitting there talking about the the movie that that you saw on your previous flight or the contract or things (laughs) like that not not to say that we're not paying attention but the, it, it is very much a subdued, like it, some of the oceanic flying, that type of oceanic flying is some of the easiest flying you will ever do really? because there's nothing going on other than monitoring the systems. So what's the long, so on average, these long stretches, they're mm-hmm. like an hour or a couple hours without any duties or any communication? I, the the maximum I would, I would say is probably about 45 minutes be, between the reporting points and uh, et cetera. But even then a single pilot easily could, could handle everything and, and take care of it and do the reporting, write it down, check the systems, et cetera. So now on the system, so that <clears throat> you're communicating with people mm-hmm. every 45 minutes or so, what checks are you doing on the aircraft? 
it, uh, it's company specific basically, mm -hmm. but you're, you're looking at your fuel remaining, you're checking your oil levels, lots of different things. But uh, again, on the DC 10, we, we don't have as many automated systems as these airplanes and, and the A350 will alert you if something is wrong. You, you really don't have to do much other than that. And so it's, it's a lot easier. Like this is a much more implementable program on mm -hmm. these brand new or newer versions of the airplane that I'm flying. I don't think that this could happen domestically, at least not for a long time, because domestic flying, both in the US and, and within Europe, Europe actually is a little bit more difficult because you're, you are talking to so many different controllers, especially in Europe, because you're going through all these small countries. And so every 15, 20 minutes, depending on your route of flight, you're changing the radios, you're checking in with new people, you're looking at your clearances, making sure that, that everything is, is good. And okay. in Europe, the, the GPS routes over there have a point like every four or five miles. And so the plane is just doing this crazy zigzag. So you're constantly following along with, with the navigation system and everything. So it's, it's very much a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An intensive process that I, I think would be very difficult for a single pilot to do. Well, we should clarify. So when they're talking about single pilot, there's never less than two pilots on the, on plane. the airplane. Correct. So this is for long range flights. Mm -hmm. So just to, every airline is different, but most airlines use eight hours as the limit. Mm -hmm. So flight is going to be if a flight to London, you can do with two crew members, two pilots, but a flight to Frankfurt, I believe, or a little bit beyond when it's over eight hours, you need a second crew or you need a, a third crew. A third, you need a third crew member. And then if it's over 12, you need a fourth. There you go. So on the flights where you only need two, yeah, on the flights where you need more than two, this would work. Mm -hmm. So you can keep it at two, but then one is resting while the other is monitoring or flying. Yeah. So a flight from Hong Kong to LA, which is uh, 14. 13 14 hour flight that would normally yeah. have 12 or 12 normally have four pilots on it with yeah. this new with this new system they could cut it down to two they could cut their yeah. their pilot total in half for at least for this particular flight i mean we'll talk about our opinions in a second but i'm just thinking about workload so from what you're saying it sounds like it's doable that yes from mm -hmm. a from a pragmatic standpoint it, it is it is doable and we'll we'll come back to it because i i've got my opinions mm -hmm. and i i know you do too i yeah. I, I don't uh, right now we're just looking at this uh objectively and and talking yeah. about is it possible yes mm -hmm. it is possible is it unsafe we'll come back to that i i i have some opinions on that right and before we discuss that they are talking about biometric sensors so if uh, the pilot is nodding off or mm -hmm. something like that i'm sure there's cars have this too now you sure. know some of these yeah. mercedes they have some biometric sensors so it knows if you're nodding off and it'll you know alert you hey mm -hmm. you know wake up yeah and it from doing a little research on this it sounds like it will like if, if you're nodding off it it won't wake up the other pilot mm -hmm. it, it'll make some noise or, or something and, and wake you up but if you become incapacitated or you don't respond to that mm -hmm. that wake up call if you will that's when the other pilot will get alerted and will have to come to the cockpit. But what the question then that this raises is once you wake that pilot up from their dedicated crew rest time, what are the restrictions on what they can continue flying? Are they going to have to divert because they then 
broke their crew rest. broke their crew rest mm-hmm. like well lots of questions right. i feel like are are going to have to be answered yeah. but uh, not saying that this can't happen but 2025 is only four years away and that seems like it's it's yeah. not that far for something like this to be implemented so it'll be interesting yeah all right do you want to discuss what our listeners yeah yeah we we reach out to the listeners and, and then we'll talk probably pretty extensively about what what drew and i think but we asked the question would you ever fly on a single pilot commercial flight drew what were the results one of the choices was absolutely 17.76 percent of our uh, followers said absolutely 27 percent said maybe 12.2 percent were neutral and uh, by far this is the highest 43.2 percent said never they would never want to fly on a single pilot commercial flight Mm-hmm. We got some really good comments. Reggie said, yes, I would. I think the technology is there. And if this could be done, it would minimize the impact of the pilot shortage. All right. Stand by with me said, did we have the same impassioned debate when flight engineers became obsolete? That's a good question. It's a great question. I don't know. I, I tried to look into that. I'm guessing that there, there probably was some, some uh, questions about whether two pilots or the systems could keep up with it. But I don't remember it. I mean, I was just a kid, but yeah. I really don't remember. Maybe, maybe from the pilot community, but from the general public, I don't think they, I don't think that there was a lot of out, you know, out. There's an outcry. True. Social media really wasn't around at that time, and yeah, a lot true. of people probably weren't following it in newspapers or nightly news. Like it, it probably wasn't a big story. Maybe within mm-hmm. the community there was <laughs> there was debate, but I, I'm guessing that people at their local watering holes on Friday night weren't debating whether flight engineers should stay around or not <laughs> probably went well, under mostly under the radar so just a quick tangent for our younger listeners now so when when the younger listeners think of an aircraft cockpit or flight deck they're thinking the glass screens is pretty streamlined but in the old days you had a you they're all dials mm-hmm. and you had another seat a guy sitting basically in a little office to the mm-hmm. side with a whole wall of dials and switches and gauges that was where the flight engineers sat, and that was that went away because things started to get more automated. And even prior to that, you had a navigator as well. Oh, navigators, really? navigators went away as as well as GPS and and better systems started to come out. So this navigator, isn't... I wonder if that was on the seven. If there was a navigator on a seven oh seven, seven oh seven flight engineer, seven oh seven, I believe had one. I think after the seven oh seven, navigators were were obsolete we're starting to go away yeah Mm. now joey said done it many times we totally do it again and as listeners who may not know him he was on the show last year talking about all of his uh essential air service flying that that he enjoys doing and a lot of those are when you're i I think it's below 19 passengers you can operate single pilot Mm -hmm. and boutique air and cape air all Kenmore Air up in Seattle, yeah. all these airlines operate with single pilot. And, and that's that's even for critical phases of flight. That's not just in cruise. Like it is a single pilot in the cockpit from engine start to engine shutdown. Yeah, I think one of the comments, it's not here, but someone said, absolutely not, unless it's on Cape Air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess they trust Cape Air. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jason uh said, as an airline employee. I thought everything was about safety. This seems to go against it and used to cut costs. You can't take the human element out of flying, or I guess I should say reduce it to one individual for something that large. Mm-hmm. And that's that's going to be one of my points that we'll come mm-hmm. back to. And then Nolan in replying to Jason said, exactly. Besides saving money, that's it. It's not a cool feature to enable a safer flight. 
All right. We've we've teed it up. We've talked about the ops topic. We've seen what our listeners have to say. Drew, I want to know your thoughts on this. Okay, so I, I'm going to think from the my left side of my brain and my right side of the brain. Okay. And I believe so, the left side is the more emotional. Or so maybe you're, it's the opposite. You're, you're, you're looking at this from your spreadsheet side, your, your, yeah. your corporate exec side, and then you're looking mm-hmm. at this from the passenger experience side. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So looking at it from the spreadsheet side, if, these, if this airline and Airbus can prove that it's safe and they have some safeguards, and it's going to, pilots are expensive. I mean, you know that once mm-hmm. you get up to an A350, you're very expensive. I mean, you're talking $200,000 salaries. So it, everything's about making money in the airlines. I mean, it's about providing a good product, but let's not, let's not be naive. All these companies are in business to make money, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So if that's going to reduce a lot of cost and they can prove that it's safe, I think it's a good idea. But then now my other side of my brain, which is NavGeek and a passenger, I want two people in the flight deck because even if you have someone taking a rest, how do I know that that system that alerts them if they're nodding off is working? Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, I'm on this flight. It's an A350 or a 777. How much revenue is that plane making? And is it that much of a stress, a stretch to have one more person Yeah, right, to, uh, to monitor things? So... I, yeah, all in all, I, I would like, and you know, I want there to be more pilot jobs for you. So yeah, I, I want there to be two pilots. Mm-hmm. But you know, the spreadsheet side of me says, okay, I could see how this could work. But it's not, it, my feeling is I would like to. Drew, I think it's less about saving money. It, it, the, the saving money piece definitely does play into this. I think it's less about saving money and more about airlines are trying to find ways to combat the pilot shortage. And I know oh, it's okay. I know it's funny that we're it, it seems silly to be talking about a pilot shortage when we just said 36,000 Lufthansa employees are out of a job. Now granted those aren't all pilots, but all of the models and and predictions and everything indicate that despite the pandemic global travel and and global aviation is set to explode as populations grow as countries grow out of poverty. And I, I think we had that stat last year sometime where it was something in that like tens of millions of Chinese were flying every year for the first time, for the first time, tens of millions. And it's sustained that way that all of these people are, are flying more and more and more and more right. as aviation becomes worldwide, cheaper, safer, et cetera. It never goes down. It never no. goes down. And, and then- the, well, I was just going to say the pilot shortage is very much still going to be a real thing to the point where like what we saw with American starting in mm-hmm. July, they're having to cut schedules down. because they can't fill those, those crews that is mm-hmm. going to become, if we can't figure out how to get more people interested in aviation, more people in the cockpit, that's going to become a global phenomenon, possibly permanently, thus driving up ticket costs for the passenger. So airlines are are like United bought the Aviate Academy. Mm-hmm. Cathay is working with Airbus on this. Right. Delta has a program where they're trying to get their frontline employees to to want to be pilots and, and go through pilot training. All these mm-hmm. airlines are, are trying to be innovative and in how do we solve the, the pilot shortage? Because that's not going to be good for anyone. Well, it's going to be great for a lot of people because there's going to be a huge demand and maybe you don't need to spend $100,000 to get all your certifications. Maybe you can join a program like um, the one that United has, Aviate, and just get in there and work hard and 
a lot of your costs are paid because mm-hmm. you are going to work for one of their regional carriers. The Asian carriers have been doing this forever. They have been starting people fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. John DeBray, who I'm yep. going to meet in Phoenix, he was saying, this was, it was so shocking to me and funny. He said, <laughs> some of these kids that come over from Asia to learn how to fly, when he's training them on a Cessna 172, that is their first motor vehicle. <laughs> yeah. They haven't even driven a car. Driven a car. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm gonna attack this from the same way you did, both the the spreadsheet guy and the the av geek and passenger experience guy. Spreadsheets, yeah. I, I definitely can can see the draw to this because yes, like you said, it, it does remove revenue. But even as a spreadsheet guy, I'm questioning this from a safety standpoint. And what I what I mean by that is think back to the German wings suicide in what was it 2013, 14, Mm -hmm. when the captain got locked out of the cockpit and the FO flew the airplane full of people into the side of a mountain and they the captain couldn't get in. Right. So now you leave a single person in the cockpit. And even today when when a pilot leaves the cockpit, the the door is barricaded by the flight attendants. A flight attendant has to go in the cockpit. And that and that came about basically after the German wings thing. And now we're talking about removing a professional pilot from the cockpit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And how are you how are you going to get around if there will there be an override somewhere that this second pilot can get in if if the first one is acting erratically? Mm-hmm. But then then you run the risk of, well, what if as the pilot is leaving his crew rest, someone who mm-hmm. wants to take over the airplane gets whatever the codes are or the key to override the systems. Now you're, you're, you're really starting down this wormhole of safety. And then there was Air France 447, which was the A330 that went down off the coast of Brazil 10 plus years ago, because yeah. the, the two pilots, the relief pilots that were in the seat at the time, misdiagnosed something that was going on with the airplane. And it wasn't until the captain came in and said, no, we need to do this. And it, unfortunately, it still was too late and, and they crashed. Crew resource management, CRM. I can't tell you yeah. how many times I have made a mistake that my co-pilot has caught, even as an instructor, something mm-hmm. that could have been dangerous. The co-pilot says, no, let's not do that and vice versa. So right. having those two people in the cockpit to avoid disasters and, and you, you know, since the, the 70s, 60s and 70s, where we had a slew of aviation related incidents based on CRM because there was no CRM back then Mm -hmm. crew resource management CRM has become such a big emphasis item. And now you take one pilot out. There is no crew resource management because there's no crew. It's just a single, a single person sitting there. Well, I mean, staying on that topic, I'm just looking at the human element. If I'm in the cockpit for hours and there's, I have no company that's going to, that may cause you to, to to lose your attention because mm-hmm. when you have someone there and you're engaged and you're talking about hey you could be like hey does that does it look like our oil pressure is a little bit low you know you can have that dialogue mm-hmm. and just like you said with the crew resource management find problems earlier because you have that team work i i was shocked when i saw this i i have not heard this being talked about at all and all of a sudden you know you see this news article yeah it same with me it kind of came out of nowhere i i hadn't heard anything about it until this article came out overall and i I know it'll be easy to say oh well i'm a pilot i want to protect my job my job is going to be around for a long time there Mm -hmm. there is a 
come a coming pilot shortage. The shortage is here. I'm not worried about that. I'm right. looking at this from the professional aviator standpoint, mainly the CRM piece. And I, I think that there is just so much to be gained by having that additional pilot in the cockpit that I, I, I just think that there's going to be too much pushback and ho- hopefully Cathay and Airbus can figure this out. And we've got lots of smart minds working on it, but I don't see this coming to fruition. But can I tell you something that's concerning? <laughs> so even our AvGeek followers on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Most of them are AvGeeks. They're aviation people. Only 43% said never. Yeah. You know, the other 57%, it was some combination of maybe, yeah, likely, you know, possibly not, but only 43% said never. Mm-hmm. So they're not completely closed-minded to it, but I'm concerned about it. So there's going to have to be a lot of research and a lot of safeguards before it happens. Or, you know, maybe what they could do is um, if there's a (laughs) non-rev, if there's an airline employee in the back. So if they sit in the cockpit in the flight deck while one of them is taking their break, maybe they get their pass for free or something. (laughs) (laughs) There's a solution. (laughs) Yeah, they get an extra vacation day or (laughs) something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Yeah, no, we'll see. We'll follow it. All right. Well, to our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our website, nexttripnetwork.com. Let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Next Trip Podcast. Please tell your friends about us so we can reach more people who love aviation and travel. Yep. And Doug, before we go, we'd like to give our buddy Nate a plug. Uh, he's a close friend now. Uh, we met him through doing this podcast. Uh, He does great flight reviews, you guys, on YouTube, and he has a new video that he just uploaded on um, flying Alaska Airlines during COVID. And Doug, what was interesting about this video is watching this video of an empty airport Mm -hmm. and an empty plane. That was not that long ago. No, no, I I think he flew this flight in July, he said, of, of last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great video. So go and look at it and it gives you a good perspective. We are not that far off from his video. That was his mm-hmm. last video. So um, to find it, go to nexttripnetwork.com, which is our website, and click on Nate in the air. We have a tab just for him with uh, a few of his videos and one that we made with him about the MD-88. Mm-hmm. So go check that out. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support and for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. Good day and welcome to Boarding Pass 82, operating on July 21. 21st 21 that's weird okay <laughs> here, here, here we go good day and welcome to boarding pass 82 operating on july is it <laughs> <laughs> it's the hardest part of the show i swear yeah. our guests probably think we're idiots oh man you run right. a podcast and you can't even yeah read we, we can't do the first line yeah <laughs>